Welcome rock and metal fans. Coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal. B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today. Playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and turn it up. It's time for the Headbangers Vault. Hey, this is the Headbangers Vault. I am the B1 Bomb. And I'm the Smuts. What's up, everyone? And tonight, Smuts, we got another big guest yep. star. Yep. We have Jaron Galino. How are you doing, sir? All right, all right, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we appreciate we, it. Yes, we do. Glad to have Absolutely. you. Jaron, tell us a little bit about yourself here. Sure. You know, in regards to the music and headbanging and all that good stuff, I'm a bass player from uh, Middletown, New Jersey. And uh, currently playing with Heaven's Edge, Lynch Mob, and, uh, you know, the never-ending rotating uh, list of bands that I also juggle, you know, when I can. But uh, right now, those are the two of them. Okay. So why don't you take us back to your career at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. How did this all start for you? Just kind of spawned from, you know, playing with friends and chasing, you know, a goal, which to me is, you know, the never-ending challenge of bettering yourself Mm -hmm. and advancing, you know, the, uh, what you do, whether it's a hobby or a career or whatever. You know, it's just uh, improvement and progress is always something I strive for in everything I do. So uh, with music, it kind of just came together that way. And uh, next thing I knew, you know, I'm out on the road and uh, making a little career of it. So uh, it's been 20 years since I started playing this year. So long journey, but, um, you know, a fun one and uh, one that I never kind of saw going to the career side of things. I kind of always just did it for the love. So very blessed and uh, lucky to have a career, but uh, at the same time, you know, would still do it for free and, and still love playing just as much as I ever did. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So what was one of the first big bands that you actually joined? Um, I guess my first taste in terms of like a national level would have been Tantric. I did Tantric for six years. Wow. Uh, just kind of wrapped that up uh, at the tail end of last year and the beginning of this year. And that's the one that most people would know. But uh, for me, the, the first, I don't know, there's been a couple of phases in, in the, the timeline where I felt like I was in a bigger band. And uh, that first one was uh, when I was living in, in Philly and I was playing with a band called Mach 22 because they were kind of the big fish in town. And, you know, we had a lot of killer gigs. We opened for Guns N' Roses on the reunion oh, tour wow. and Bon Jovi. Cool. And, oh, wow. Yeah, man. So getting into some of those rooms uh, that you could only dream of playing was pretty cool. Right. And so uh, I kind of saw that as my first big step. And then um, I did a very short stint with a band called Charm City Devils from Baltimore. And they had been on Crew Fest and stuff. And we did some shows on the Candlebox Hinder Tour. And that felt very big to me, you know, something mm-hmm. uh, outside of just a hometown triumph there. So, uh, you know, once things kind of snowballed with those types of gigs, you know, the the next logical step was a, a touring gig. You know, Tantra came along, you know, did my six years there. And over that time, I played with a ton of different bands and toured with a, a lot of different bands. So very, very fortunate. And, you know, I love playing. And if you see me on stage with a band, chances are I really like that band. You know, I don't just take gigs to take them. I take them because I believe in them or... I enjoy them, so uh, you know I'm, I'm very happy with all the opportunities I've had over the years. Awesome. So, how did you get involved with Tantric? 
I, it, it's a weird story, but uh, the short version is I was helping a buddy out. I have a friend, Delico Maria from Australia, and his band would come to the States and tour. And uh, I guess his band kind of fell apart uh, leading up to a, a U.S. tour that they were doing. And he's like, hey, man, would you mind helping me out? You know, I had sat in with him before. So, yeah, I went out and did that. We did a little Wisconsin tour, like a handful of shows. And the other two guys in the band, one was Chris Green from Taiketo, and uh, the drummer was Troy Patrick Farrell, who's played with a ton of different bands over the years. And much so in the in the 80s scene, in the 80s genre, kind of that old school hard rock, you know, my, my sweet spot. But, uh, you know, while I was out there, I was like, hey, I actually just kind of like subbed in with this band called Tantric. And, uh, you know, we have this tour coming up that I think I'm doing and I might need to put together a band, you know, something you'd be interested in. And uh, honestly, I, I hadn't even really remembered Tantric. I mean, I remember the name. Uh, I couldn't have named the song, you know, off the top of my head at the time. But uh, once I started listening through the tunes, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I remember this song or mm-hmm. that song. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. I got home from that little Delacoma tour and about a week later, Troy called me and said, Hey man, this tour's happening. The downside to it is we leave in two days Mm. (laughs) and I need to learn a headlining set, you know, so 14 songs to learn in two days. And then at that point I had a real job, you know, I I was kind of like locked in at home, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So I kind of had to put real life on hold to go do that. And uh, that was about six or seven weeks. We did uh on that tour and then kind of from there the band kind of just gelled and we rolled from there man and it's we went through a bunch of different lineup changes over the years but uh that was my first taste at at something bigger than what was accessible to me at home wow that's awesome now didn't you record a couple albums with tantric too yes yes uh 2018 we did mercury retrograde which was my first i guess big label release if you will we got to, I think it was eight or nine songs, something like that. I played on all but two of them. Uh, a lot of the album had been done before we got there, but uh, once we got into the studio to finish it up, you know, they were like, hey, we could actually redo bass on, you know, a bunch of these tracks. So, you know, I got the majority of that that album under my belt, and then uh, we came together as a band for the next one, which is the Sum of All Fears. I believe that one came out uh, probably in 21 or at the tail end of 2020. We did it uh, during COVID. Okay. okay. What yeah, was man. it like recording with those guys? It was interesting. We kind of... <laughs> Tantrix, it's a weird group, man. Uh, the singer is only original, Hugo Ferreira. You know, he's an uh, incredible songwriter, great performer, and he's kind of a wild card, man. You never know what you're going to get with him. I mean, it's never <laughs> anything bad, but it's often crazy or wild. And uh, <laughs> one day he told us, you know, during COVID, hey, uh, I signed a record deal and we got to do this album. You know, we're like, hey, great. You know, we'll start preparing some demos and stuff. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, you have like 30 days to do it. Wow. Because I guess 60 of the 90 days had already gone by. And, you know, being stuck at COVID, you didn't really know what was going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we prepared some demos real quick and then got to the studio. And then the next thing you know, it was like, okay, we're, we got like 20 other songs to pick from too, from, you know, the vault. So we kind of went in and, and cherry picked the ones we thought were best and kind of just made them our own. And, uh, you know, it was an, it was an interesting process. It was, it was quick. We did half the record and then went home for a few weeks because a couple of the crew and the studio guys contracted COVID and mm. then, uh, mm. went back and finished it up. So, you know, Tantric, it was, it was a really fun band. Uh, I look at it as my entry level to, uh, you know, the bigger acts and the bigger scene, you know, in the industry. But uh, musically, you know, fun to play on stage for sure. But, uh, you know, I kind of come from a harder rock, a more upbeat background. Doing those tunes in the studio, it was different. It was mm-hmm. cool. And 
I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's hard to really explain, but uh, just a different vibe than what I had grown up on. So a lot of stuff came out cool, and uh, I think there's some different stuff on there as well that a lot of, you know, Tantric fans might, you know, like, but also, you know, we kind of branched out a little bit, so maybe there's a little bit of a different taste there as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, I uh, loved my time with that band, and uh, I think we got some great stuff, you know, down on record, and it's an honor to be a part of uh, two great releases with them. Yeah. So how did the Heaven's Edge thing come about for you? So Heaven's Edge, uh, you know, I grew up in Jersey, and uh, my mom's side of the family actually moved to Pennsylvania, so I kind of was split between the two. And so growing up in the Philly scene, uh, musically, Heaven's Edge was like, you know, the, the legends that followed in the steps of, of bands of, like, Cinderella or Britain mm-hmm. Bach. And, uh, you know, I had been a fan since I was younger. I had old bandmates and friends that, you know, hooked me up with the CD, and uh, I think I even had the cassette at the first release. Right. And uh, when they reunited, I went to the shows and spent, you know, I don't know, maybe six, five or six years before I had joined, you know, going to the shows, seeing the band. I knew some of the guys. And then um, I think it was in the tail end of 2019, Tantric went to Europe for a tour, and I was sitting in London, and it had been a day or two since my phone service was working. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this, like, basement dungeon-like room in London. <laughs> and my phone starts going off. And I'm like, oh, cool, I got some messages, you know. And uh, I look down, and one of them was from Mark Evans. And he's like, hey, you know, uh, we weren't really sure if we were going to carry on with the band, you know, after Gigi had passed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're talking about doing some stuff. You know, would you be interested in, uh, you know, coming down and, you know, seeing if if, seeing if it would work out, you know, seeing what it would be like. Right, and right. Uh, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm halfway through this European tour with Tantric. I'll get home as soon as I can in a few weeks and, you know, try out and see how it goes. So pretty much the rest of my tour with Tantric, I spent in the dressing rooms rehearsing Heaven's Edge songs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I went, I went home and maybe a day or two, once I got back from uh, Europe, I went over to uh, Reggie's house and we jammed in the basement and that was it. You know, right off the bat, like first song or two, they were just like, okay, yeah, this is going to work. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. And then we went straight to the Monster Rock Cruise and that was my first, you know, stint with them. And, uh, you know, the band doesn't play that much uh, in general, you know, a few times a year, but, uh, it was kind of perfect for my schedule because Tantric, we were out doing almost 200 shows a year oh, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have time to do a lot of other stuff, but uh, that was the perfect, you know, amount of action, you know, for me, for another band. So over time, it's become a lot more, you know, we've done a record, we've done a few things, but uh, yeah, man, that first connection was pretty much just a shot in the dark, you know, from Mark asking if I would be interested and, you know, I knew the songs well enough uh, in my head from listening for so many years, tried to play them. It's a cool uh, little story, and it's pretty wild looking back on it. That's yeah. awesome so that you're like a fan, and then you're up there with them. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, that's awesome. So what was it like playing a different style of music compared to, like, Tantric or what you've done before? Was it a pretty uh, easy transition was, for you? or It was refreshing because uh, – a refreshing approach, I should say, because, you know, previous to Tantric, I played all bands that would kind of resemble more musically the style of that, you know, harder driving, mm-hmm. you know, guitar-oriented music. So uh, it was nice to go back to that and kind of get my chops back up. And uh, the one thing that was kind of a learning curve for me was a lot of their stuff, you know, Gigi played with his fingers. He wasn't really a pick player. I'm, I'm very much a pick player. So I was like, you know, I'll just play these my style. And, you know, and I wanted to do the justice to the original material and play them, you know, like Santa remember them, you know, not really change any parts, but you know, my approach was just a little different the way that I, I played. So it took me um, 
a few shows and uh, some time to kind of find the happy medium. But uh, next thing I knew, I started playing with my fingers more, and it's kind of bettered me as a player all around. But uh, I really credit that gig to that because it kind of forced me to, to try some different stuff. And again, you know, you want to you want to keep the songs true to the original form, but at the same time, you want to put yourself into it a little bit. And uh, the guys have been really supportive about that. They really want me to be myself as a player. And, you know, I, again, I kind of just try to find the happy medium. But, yeah, it, it came naturally. And I just, uh, you know, I was elated to be playing a different style and to be able to juggle between the two because I think, you know, doing Tantric and Heaven's Edge kind of made me a better player for both bands. Did you play on the album Get It Right? I did. Yeah, that was fun, man. Uh that's another weird crossover with Tantric because we talked about doing the record and another one of those things, okay, cool, we got 90 days to do a record, whatever. And I had been on tour like all summer uh, when we were supposed to be working on this record. So probably 100% of that record was tracked uh, in hotel rooms between like 1 and 4 a.m. Oh, man. Morning. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, man, I would get off stage and I would go to the dressing room and I would lay down and stuff and then i go to the hotel and i plug in. And, uh, you know, just work really hard on it. So I'm glad it came out the way that it did and pretty wild to listen back. And, you know, cer- certain bass lines I can hear it and I can remember the shitty hotel carpet I was sitting <laughs> on doing it, you know. <laughs> well, it's a really good it's album. Yeah, I think it has Thanks. a really smooth production. And that is also with Frontier Records, right? It is, man. Yeah, it's kind of great. It, it, I think it's really heavy and uh, it's got a lot of melody to it at the same time. It was a fun one to make and uh, listening back, it uh, still sounds good and exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that album. Do you guys think with being signed to Frontiers Records that you'll get more publicity? I know that label's got a lot of old school bands on that they really promote. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my personal take on it is I think Frontiers is I don't say the only game in town, but they're the main game in town in terms of this genre of music, right? Right, so right. Yeah, they're awesome. It doesn't hurt to be a part of the family. And, you know, I know they got a lot of bands. Maybe they don't give us as much attention as other bands that they might have. But, you know, all you got to do is go to the Frontiers website and you can find, you know, a bunch of different bands you've never heard of that you probably like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I go through you know, a lot of catalog on that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's nice to be able to be in that collection of bands because people that, might recognize the name or kind of like, oh, I kind of remember that. I should check that out. You know, it's now in front of their eyes somewhere that we can't really reach uh, using Facebook or Instagram or, you know, the basic ways of promoting yourself these days, you know. Right. right. Do you like performing the older material from Heaven's Edge too? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's my favorite stuff to perform, I think. I mean, the new, the new stuff's good too. You know, I wrote a lot of the, you know, well, all the bass lines, but I'm not like, you know, petty about it. I'm like, oh, I just want to play my bass part, you know? It's like, right. I, I love these old songs just as much as a lot of the fans do. So being able to rock out and actually play along with them, you know, and looking at it, the fans enjoying it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a shot of adrenaline every time. Now, do they plan on touring anytime this year or next year at all? Or what's going um, on with so that? Pretty much with Heaven's Edge, it's kind of a select date. You know, we do the festivals here and there. We'll do a Philly show every once in a while. We've got one coming up uh, November 25th in Philly at the Brooklyn Bowl. And that'll be our last one for the year. But, uh, you know, the band's been around 30-something years. The guys aren't getting any younger. And they still love playing just as much as they ever did. You know, it's a little harder now. People have jobs and families. So I think next year we'll try and get out a little more. We're talking about doing an L.A. and a Vegas show and 
maybe a Chicago, going up on the Northeast. And, and I'm sure we'll do a Philly, you know, something, whether it's Philly or Jersey. But in terms of tour, I don't think we'll really tour tour, but I would like to think that we'll have uh, a handful of select dates that mm-hmm. are going to be in areas that most people haven't seen us uh, either in a very long time or ever before. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, if you guys come through Indiana, get a hold of me because uh, I'm trying to open a concert venue here in Indiana. So uh, I would love to have you guys sometime. I'm sure we'd love to come play there, man. Uh, awesome. You know, it's another great state to play. Make it awesome. happen there, Schmutz. Yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on. So, Jaron, what is it like working with George Lynch? Oh, man, it's incredible. Uh, he's literally the best boss I've probably ever had in music. You know, it's, it's pretty wild. He's, he's been, you know, my favorite, you know, my go-to guy in the guitar world and, uh, you know, music uh, since I was young. And, you know, getting the gig with him, I mean, it's just, again, you know, you're, you're going up another level, you know, it's a, it's a different ball game, you know, when you're on stage with a guy like that, that's a legend. And the camaraderie and the, and the pressure to, to perform better each and every night and to stay on your game. A lot of people I might think would find it stressful. I find it energizing. Mm, you know, awesome. I'm like, I'm like nervous to do a good job, but at the same time, can't wait to try. So uh, he brings that excitement and that adrenaline to every show for me. It's an incredible set list to make. And uh, with a legacy like his, you know, there's a lot of songs and a lot of bands to pull from. And he makes it easy. You know, he lets me kind of pick the set list and it's a dream come true to play with him. Awesome. awesome. You guys just came out with a new album. Yeah. Did you play bass on that too? I did. Babylon came out last Friday. I played all the bass on it. Yeah. Everyone check that out. Yeah. Check out the new Heaven's Edge yeah, also. Up. And I heard that this is going to be George's last go around with the Lynch Mob. Is that true? So pretty much what we're looking at is touring through the next 18 months. Pretty much into spring of 25 is where he kind of wants to leave it. Okay. You know, he's going to be 70 next year. He's been grinding, you know, 50-something years of playing guitar out there. And, you know, with Lynch Mob, it's, it's very much a band. It's not just George, and he makes all the calls, and we just do what he says. And, you know, it's become this whole thing now where everybody's kind of an equal guy here. And, you know, it's fun to do. And when you have a band like that, it's, it's a lot of work. And he's got a legacy that isn't just Lynch Mob. He's got Dokken, he's got KXN, right. mm-hmm. he's got all these other great things that he does. And so I think, you know, in terms of a band mentality, we'll see how it goes. If the shows get better and better on this last run and still exciting for him, I could see the timeline kind of getting pushed a little bit in terms of when we might stop. You know, we're kind of talking about doing another album next year as well. Oh, wow. Just because why not, you know? But at the same time, you know, if Lynch Mob stops touring, that doesn't mean he's going to stop. You know, I'm sure he'll still do tons of records and he might come out by himself and maybe he'll just play as a solo artist and do, you know, anything from his career. You know, he's got sure. all these different things to pull from, but... You know, I'm just happy to get any little part of this legacy under my belt and to be a part of it, and uh, I'm supportive. And if he wants to do some shows on his own, you know, my phone is always on for that call, and I'm happy to back him up in any way that I can. Well said. Yeah. Now, Oni Logan does not sing for the Lynch Mob now, right? He does not currently at this moment. Okay, and he did not record on this new album either, did he? He did not. This new album is this new lineup that we've had for about a year now. It's Gabriel Colon singing. He's a young up-and-comer. Um, and Jimmy DeAnda, who's been with George forever, uh, you know, 20-something years, original Bullet Boys drummer. And, uh, you know, George and myself. And if you've seen the band in the last year, you know, that's been 
you know, what we've been out on the road with and it's really coming together and, you know, it's just, it takes time, you know, you got to let these things settle. We got to find the quirks in each other and, and the comfort spots on stage and the songs have really come a long way and the, uh, the energy on stage, you know, it's always been there, but it's kind of like, you know, feeling each other out. So I think now we're kind of in that comfortable spot of we we know our strengths and our weaknesses and um, next year going into this final tour, I think it'll really be uh, a scorcher of a tour, man. We're, we're really fired up about it and excited to see what's to come. Yeah, you got a lot of different songs from his catalog to play too. That's going to be massive. Yeah, man. You know, we try to stick to Lynch Mob stuff and a little bit of Doc and sprinkled in there. And occasionally we'll do, you know, maybe something from one of his solo albums or something. But, uh, you know, just the Lynch Mob catalog alone has so much to pull from. Right. So then you start building the set list on that. And then you're like, all right, we got to throw in three or four Doc in. And so that three or four Lynch Mob songs are taken out. So there's always somebody that wants something somewhere that maybe we're playing, maybe we're not playing. But uh, we try to change the set every night keep it fresh to keep it interesting if anybody's planning on coming out to one of the shows next year i would say maybe come to a couple and you'll get a little bit more each night than you didn't get the night before i'm definitely going to try to make a show for yeah, sure yeah they do come around our area once in a while we're gonna yeah. have to hit that up there schmutz yep for sure anytime you guys want to come out you just let me know oh yeah thank you so jaron what are some of your most favorite songs from heaven's edge and the lynch mob to play that's a good question to play. Uh, maybe Play Dirty is always a fun one from Heaven's Edge. Uh, my favorite Heaven's Edge song would be Come Play the Game and Bad Reputation. You know, those are uh, my personal favorites. But, um, you know, I like them all. And in terms of ones that I tracked on, uh, I don't know. We're, uh, it's funny. We did 10 songs for the Heaven's Edge record. Uh, we're doing like three or four of them on stage, and uh, we actually tracked 11 for the album, and the one that was going to be the bonus for the Japanese release ended up not being used because they didn't want to waste it on it being just a Japanese-only song, so they ended mm-hmm. up doing like an acoustic version of one of the other ones. Ooh. But that extra song still has yet to be released, and it's called Don't Come Crying. Ooh. And that's my favorite Heaven's Edge song really? that I've been a part of, which we haven't really played it or anything like that other than you know recording it so hopefully um if that comes out as a b-side or something here soon that will be in the set and that would be one of my favorites to play it really ripped but yeah man i I like a little bit everything and then from lynch you name it man um street fighting man is probably my favorite from wicked sensation you know uh we're doing the sinner from the new record and that one's really cool i mean getting to play any of the docking songs whether it's into the fire or lightning strikes Mm -hmm. again I mean, I like the hard and heavy, so between Doc and Lynch Mob, I mean, I think that's pretty much all the stuff is pretty hard and heavy, even the slow, even uh, darker ballady stuff. I mean, it's it's still heavy, so for me, um, it's hard to really pick. I don't dislike any of the songs on the set list, so, uh, you know, it's hard to take sides with some of that stuff. There's so many. There is. Yeah, I know, man. It's crazy. And there's a lot that we don't do that I would love to do, you know? So all the times that you've toured throughout the years, who are some of your most favorite bands that you like to tour with? Man, um, some of the most fun I've had was probably with Saliva. Patrick would go out with Saliva, and we would... I mean, I'm not much of a partier at all. Uh, I mean, maybe when I was younger a little bit, but Me those either. guys made you want to party. Man, we just had a lot of crazy fun with them. It was a lot of fun on that tour. And then last year, I did a little uh, tour with a band called The Life Project. And we went out with Allison Chains and Bush and Breaking Benjamin on a summer tour. Oh, wow. And that was a lot of fun as well. 
But honestly, man, the most fun I've had with other bands on tour, uh, aside from, you know, maybe some of these tantric runs, was, was when I was in smaller bands when I was a kid. You know, we would do, like, DIY tours and play house parties and, you know, warehouses and crazy places. I was in a thrash and a death metal band for a while when I first started it. We would team up with bands and just drive across the freaking country, not even knowing how much money we were getting paid or if the show was even going to happen. And just being in that <laughs> that kind of free headspace, yeah. and it was just a different time, and it was wild. And you know, those are memories I cherish forever. And I think a lot of the things that we went through on those tours are what shaped me into what I've become, and in, in terms of uh, you know tour managing and things like that. And learned a lot of lessons the hard way, and that's a good thing, man, because that's how you kind of again, shape everything. So right. it's hard to say, man, a lot of tours have been great and there's been some not so great ones too, but I still have fun on all of them. So it's, it's really, uh, any opportunity to get out there is a good and be a good time. A few more questions here for you. Yeah, no problem. If you could open up for any band, who would it be? Jeez. Um, I don't know, man. After getting to open up for Guns N' Roses at the Eagle Stadium, <laughs> right. I don't know that it gets much bigger than that. <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, man, I, I would love to, to open for Sabbath or, like, Maiden or Deep Purple. Mm. But I think Rainbow, I would love to play with anything with Richie Blackmore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know it's probably that window of time is closed, but uh, that's, like, the legend for me. So uh, in terms of people alive that I could play with, that would probably be the guy. That leads me into my next question, then. Who are your main influences? Well, throughout my life, I would say the main guys that I really always looked up to the most would have been George mainly for his work ethic and, you know, his style and just he's always on to the next thing and he doesn't care if it's popular or not, he does him. And I've really learned a lot from that and, and tried to always be that way. And then uh, in terms of musically or maybe inspirationally, um, Glenn Hughes has always been my guy, you know, bass player, singer, or just a, another guy that works his ass off and is always doing multiple things at once. So those are my main guys. But, you know, I grew up listening awesome. to thrash and metal and so – you could take Sabbath or, you know, Deep Purple, any of these older bands, and you go through the motions of 70s into 80s. You guys got guys like Shanker and Ingve and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I like all the legends, and uh, I'm very much an old soul. So, you know, growing up with bands like that and having my dad expose me to those things early on really uh, shaped who I've become. Jared, do you uh, like any, like, 80s hair bands? I mean, like, like you, you obviously play in Heaven's or... Edge. I mean, that's kind of that. I, I pretty much say every all the best stuff come out by, like, 91 or 90. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I agree. I, I like a lot of the hair bands. I, I like a lot of the 70s. I like the 70s old-school rawness. I like the fat tones and the, the loose live energy in the studio, and nothing's really perfect. It's just kind of like mm-hmm. people just going nuts. I like that, but I also like the 80s in the sense of, of the melodic guitar and the shredding, but mm-hmm. still kind of has a catchiness to it, and that's all cool, too. So, uh, you know, the common theme, I think, there is guitar. I like yeah. a lot of guitar guys, and uh, sure. I've always been a guitar god guy, and though I've never played, that's that's what I hear when I listen to music. You know, it could be maybe a guy's not even really that good, but if he's really going for it or ripping up, you know, and, you know, I admire that. So, you know, those, those are my main genres, I would say. So did you ever check out any of those old school 80s, 90s hair metal bands back in the day when they were on tour? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm too young to have seen them in the heyday. So pretty much I started catching stuff in the 2000s. You know, I'll be 35 next week. Oh, that must so, be nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> I, my first show, I was like 11 seeing Iron Maiden, Halford, and Queens, right? But yeah. it was on Bruce Dickinson's return in like 01 or whatever, you know? So yeah. 
I've seen pretty much every band you can imagine in terms of the, the genres that I like since then. You know, everybody from Ted Nugent to Rat to friggin', I mean, Shanker, you name it. I've seen Maiden 30-something times, Slayer 30-something times. Oh. But I miss a lot of guys. I've never seen Aerosmith. I've never seen Richie Blackmore. You know, there's a, there's a few still on my list. But, you know, I tried as a young fan and a, and a kid to see everything I possibly could. And my dad was really cool and took me to every friggin' show you can imagine. That's, awesome. That's a cool dad uh, right is, there. That is a cool dad. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he loves it all, too. So, you know, getting to share this all with him is really special. That's awesome. And, uh, I'm sure he's really yeah, proud man. of you. He is, man. He is, you know, to uh, go see Lynch, you know, since I was a kid and bring him every time and us just geeking out at how great the shows are to now looking out and seeing him with that same look on his face, but I'm up there playing. Man, that's awesome. Um, wow. It definitely warms your heart, I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of relate to that a little bit there. Since you're a bass player, I have a band for you to check out at some point. You need to check out the Galactic Cowboys. The bass playing in those albums are phenomenal, especially their first two, so check them out. Where are they from? <laughs> they are from Houston, Texas. Sounds familiar. I, I think I heard the name. I will check them out. Yeah, especially their second album called Space in Your Face. That is a masterpiece. And is that like a late 90s or uh, late 80s, it, early 90s? I think it came out in 1992 or 93. Uh, it's prime year for some of that stuff. Yeah, and these guys didn't sound like any other band at that point, so I would highly recommend that. Okay, I'll check them out. Jaron, I got one more question. What was your opinion on, like, the grunge? I think it's fine. A lot of those bands are killer. I mean, come on, Alice in Chains and, and you know, some Soundgarden stuff. I mean, it doesn't get mm -hmm. much heavier than that. And I think a lot of that is very reminiscent of Sabbath and, mm -hmm. you know, some of these classic bands that, that I love very much. The only thing that I don't love about it is it's very much a downer mm -hmm. feel. Right. Um, I smoke a ton of weed. It's no secret. I love <laughs> being chilled out and all that, but that's not my mindset. Like, I'm more of like, I chug 100 Mountain Dews and I'm like raging out. You know, I might as well be a cokehead at this point. But <laughs> in terms of music, I like something a little more upbeat usually. And vocally, I like guys that can really just belt it out and... I've never been a huge baritone or, or low drony guy. So some of the stuff for me, I find it hard to really connect with or relate to, you know, going on tour with Alice in Chains and, and hearing those songs every night. And, you know, that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of the stuff that maybe I've just been ignoring because, you know, when you grow up listening to seventies and eighties stuff and grunts killed hair metal, you know, you, for me, you have that planted in your head. Like you, you guys are the enemy. So <laughs> I had to kind of grow out of that a little bit. And I have found some cool stuff over the years. And I mean, Tantric is pretty much a very much uh, a grungy, you know, alternative mix mm. band. It, it was kind of weird to be playing in it and, you know, feeling this way about that kind of music. But, uh, you know, there is some great stuff in there. And uh, I think if you really dig through some of these bands, you'll find they're much more than what you just hear on the radio. And I've always felt that way. I think most bands out there, their best stuff is not their hit songs on the radio. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. I totally agree. They love the hooks and the good songwriting. I don't really care. I don't care if you have a sing-along chorus or not. I, if you got a cool riff, you know, that's enough for me. So my mindset and, and opinions on some of that stuff may be a little different than most people. But, you know, the important thing for me is having a, a sound that's unique. And I think a lot of those bands did that. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to them for doing that. And uh, I hope that I still come across more grunge bands that I may have ignored over the years. And I hope that I can find some, some good stuff out there mm -hmm. still. There was a lot out there. I mean, the market was saturated with those grunge bands by about 93. It's kind of what killed all that, too. Kind of like the hair metal. You know, everything comes in waves. Yeah. You know, 
I get it. Finally, what is next for Jaron Janino? Oh, man, that is always the question that I don't really know how to answer because <laughs> um, I never really have a plan. My main thing is I don't really jump from a band unless I have a reason to. So, you know, I always said my whole career, all I ever really wanted to do, you know, and more, more to my friends, maybe not in the press, but I always just wanted to play in a band that was a three-piece, you know, or four-piece band where it's just guitar, bass, and drums with a singer that could really friggin' belt it out and a guitar player that could really rip up something in the style of Lynch Mob or a Badlands or, you know, Blue Murder or something like that. And I always go out on tour and I would watch the opening bands every night and I'd say, oh, that singer's good. I, I could see working with him one day or, oh, that guitar player, he should be in a better band, but, you know, he's good. Now okay. it's like, okay, well, I play in the band that I, like, geared my whole like I hope one day I can play in a band like Lynch Mob and now I play in the actual band so that's awesome it's kind of a weird feeling but you know if you're gonna do something or you know for me it's like if I want to play in that style I might as well play in the best band that I can that does that and, and for me that's Lynch Mob because in George's history he's always had killer players whether it's drummers, singers, whatever, bass players. And, you know, again, it's an honor to make that list of, of people that have been associated. But also, you know, it's, it's cool to get up on stage and play with people in the same mindset. For me, I want to go out there. I want to pretty much play my bass till it breaks. And that's how Jimmy <laughs> yeah. plays. That's how Gabriel sings. And that's how George does it every night. And uh, it's not so much how great can we play these songs. It's how great can we play individually but together. And uh, that's always the funnest part. So for what's next, I honestly couldn't tell you because Lynch Mob's not the biggest band in the world, but it's the most fun in terms of playing, right. uh, in yeah. my opinion. I don't know, man. I honestly don't think I would quit the band to, to join a huge band at the moment. I think I'm going to let this one you know, play out. And if George wants to keep going, I'm going to be there for him. And mm -hmm. if he wants to hang it up, that's fine. But I honestly couldn't even guess at, at what's next and. I've never really been able to. Things have just kind of appeared and opportunities have just kind of come. So I guess I'll figure that out when I get there, but um, you know, I'm not worried about it. Sure. Absolutely. Enjoy where I'm at. I got a little bonus question for you here. It's kind of popped yeah. up. If there was a band out there that asked you to play bass, a big band, who would that be if you had an opportunity to jump at it? Um. I don't know, man. I, I guess the only guys that I would really like freak out about would be, you know, Tony Iommi or Blackmore, if you call me. I don't know. I mean, I, I would do Shanker, too, for sure. You know, I would do a lot of these guys. But in terms of, of big guys, I mean, I guess Sabbath or, you know, Priest or, you know, somebody like that. I, I don't know, man. It's Bands like that, you're kind of getting into the territory of, you know, you're going to be going out there doing these massive songs and it's not so much playing and going out there and just ripping it up. It's just, you know, not even really going through the motions per se, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's very much a set in stone type of thing. And when you have a production that large, it's almost an act as much as it is, you know, a performance. Right. So right. I don't know, man, but those are the big dogs in my eyes, you know, Ozzy and, and guys like that. But, um, there's a million guys that I love out there, you know, uh, Shanger Lynch. I love Doug Aldrich. I'd, I'd love to work with him someday. And, but again, you know, I'm playing with my guy that I consider the best. So at this mm -hmm. point, uh, it would have to be something really great. And I honestly don't know that I would, again, jump from this one right. uh, before it's ran its course. Well, we wish you luck with the lynch mob. I hope yeah. that carries you way far in the future because that is a pretty awesome that. gig. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you guys come to Indiana in the, our area. We'll, uh, we'll be there. All right, man. Yeah, and the next year, we're supposed to get a lot of dates on the books, and we already are uh, stacking them up. So I'm sure we'll be coming through at some point. Awesome. Yes. Can't wait. Thank you, Jaron, for coming on the show here. We appreciate this greatly. 
Yeah, thank you for having yeah, me. Appreciate you guys taking the time. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. We really appreciate it. And good luck with the Heaven's Edge thing, too. Yeah. Thanks. Hopefully, uh, we'll make it your way as well. I yeah. Think, uh, next year will be the time that we may do it, so uh, I'll definitely keep you posted. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All righty. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning into the podcast tonight. We'd also like to thank Spotify and Podbean for putting up with us and what Nikki Lane says. If it's too loud, you're too old. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Keep rocking out there, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Headbangers Vault, bringing you the best in rock and metal music and music talk with your hosts, B1 Bomb and the Smuts. Check us out on your social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd be interested in being a part of our show or advertising with us, please visit our webpage at headbangersvault.podbean.com. And remember, if it's too loud, you're too old. <laughs>